Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from, yep, just the news. We're so grateful. We know you know about it because millions of you are coming a month to, to read the great content that our reporters are writing. We're just about news. We're just about facts. We don't do opinion. We don't do speculation. Uh, we just try to keep you up to date on the most important stories, some which our colleagues in the media don't really cover. So we're proud when we have a story that others have missed or have ignored intentionally or otherwise. Uh, and that's what this podcast is about today. And we've got a great show. Pam Bondi, the former attorney general of Florida, the uh, primetime speaker Tuesday night at the convention. You may have saw her give this, the speech on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's ethics problems the family enrichment scheme of the Joe Biden family. Uh, also, uh, somebody that was important to the president's defense uh, when the impeachment trial occurred earlier this year. She was a key member of that team, gave one of the big speeches in the well of the Senate during the trial. Pam Bondi is joining us. She has a lot to talk about, the election, the conventions, what's at stake in the next 60 days. And then we're going to ask her a lot about law enforcement. We're in a very uh, challenging time. Our, our officers are under assault, under attack. There have been some tragic killings at the hands of officers. Some appear to have been improper acts by police officers. we got to address that, be honest about it. But there's also a lot of violence against our officers that isn't getting recognized, that isn't being uh, addressed as part of the policy making, that certainly on the Democratic side. Uh, there needs to be a reckoning. And Pam has worked for years, almost her entire career in law enforcement, has a lot of strong thoughts about what prosecutors, police, members of the public, and certainly policymakers can do to ease these tensions, get us on a better path, uh, back to law and order, back to respect, back to safe streets, back to an, uh, an anarchist, no anarchy uh, moment in American history. I know the American public wants that. Uh, but we also got to fix some of these issues that have led to the shootings, and uh, we're, we're honest about that. So that's going to be a big part of the conversation today with Pam Bondi coming up in a few minutes. Uh, but we're going to do a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a very important story that will be breaking tonight on Just the News. You're going to get it first because you listen to John Solomon Reports, our podcast. But first, let's hear from our great sponsors, our great advertisers, those who make what we do at Just the News and John Solomon Reports possible. Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We're so glad you've joined us today. We got a great guest, Pam Bondi, former attorney general, the great state of Florida, a key part of the president's reelection team, a key part of his um, 
impeachment defense team, a primetime speaker at the convention this week here in Washington with the Republican National Convention. Spam is going to be joining us in a few minutes. A lot of great things to talk about, everything from law enforcement, law and order, to what uh, the final 60 days of the election will likely be about. You're not going to want to miss that. But I want to go ahead and um, talk to you about a story that we're going to break tonight. Uh, By the time you wake up tomorrow morning, Friday morning, it'll be on Just the News. I'm going to give you some early skinny uh, because I think it's an important story. Um, We have seen many illusions, mirages created over the last three years in efforts to attack uh, President Trump and, and create uh, a certain aura of scandal, of dis, uh, of um, controversy. Uh, we saw it first with the Russia collusion case. Like a fake Russian collusion case was sold to the American public, uh, uh, jammed down the throat of the courts by the FBI dishonestly, and uh, we're just beginning to see accountability in that. And then we had the Ukraine scandal, where a whistleblower falsely claimed that the president tied aid to. Um, uh, investigating Joe Biden in a conversation with the Ukrainian president. It's why well, the president did ask Ukraine to look into it. He didn't tie aid to it, contrary, but we went through a whole impeachment and of course the president was acquitted. We've had all sorts of other mini ones like that. The Russian bounties, remember um, President Trump's ignoring the Russian bounties uh, on our soul of, uh, for killing soldiers. Turns out that intelligence was uncorroborated, much like Christopher Steele's uncorroborated intelligence and dossier that was a was a pile of garbage uh, intelligence uh, bunk. Um, there's a new one that's been brewing the last few weeks, and over the last couple of days, I've done some reporting in this next story. I think we'll get to it, and that is there's a conspiracy by Donald Trump and the Republican Party and his new postmaster. General Louis DeJoy to hide people's ballots, to stop them from being delivered, to make sure that Americans' votes don't count on November 3rd. Well, uh, we're finding out that that story isn't really true. And quite frankly, the very thing that Louis DeJoy is doing now, cutting back, closing down processing facilities, postal outpost offices, cutting back expenses, it's been going on all the way back to 2012 when Barack Obama first did it with his postmaster. 2011, 2012, they did the first sweeping cuts. And the reason why, it's not about the elections. It's not about um, workers' jobs. It's about the fact that the post office keeps losing money. It's inefficient. It, uh, it has a lot of fiscal problems for a very long time. It hasn't been able to adapt as quickly as the FedExes and the UPSs and the Amazons have in the delivery world. And as a dinosaur, it continues to bleed money and to have a, a bloated staff. Uh, And as Louis DeJoy described last Friday to the Senate and this past Monday to the House, these decisions about cutting back are about reforming the fiscal discipline, the fiscal structure of the post office. It had nothing, nothing to do with mail-in ballots in the fall. And by the way, historically, conservatives are big mail-in ballot, absentee ballot things. So if the president was going to do that, he'd be hurting uh, Republican voters, which doesn't seem like in his interest. But more importantly, DeJoy completely defanged this controversy by saying, listen, if you're worried about it, I just won't do any of these cutbacks until after the election. But I want to point out a story I did Tuesday first. We may have talked about it a little bit on this podcast. Um, Barack Obama did the exact same thing in 2012. Now, Democrats in the Congress did object. They didn't want cutbacks. They wanted all those postal workers to keep their job and their overtime, even though 
the cost structure of the Postal Service has been unsustainable for several years. But what's interesting about what happened in 2012, yes, they tried to slow it down. Yes, they tried to um, stop the president, President Obama, from cutting, making cuts at the Postal Service. The one issue that congressional Democrats like Bernie Sanders, who's out there banging the pan now, election conspiracy, they never raised election ballots in 2012. And, and by 2012, there were a lot of election ballots. States like Oregon and Washington State uh, and Florida were seeing massive growth of election ballots. Uh, now, COVID may change out a little bit this year, make it even bigger. But there was plenty of reason to be worried about election ballots. If you thought cutbacks about the Postal Service were about the mail, some state officials raised concern about it. But not the same Democrats that are out there now accusing the president of a conspiracy because he wants to save money at the post office and make it efficient. He's actually put a non-postal um, employee in charge of the post office. He brought in a CEO, a businessman, someone that came out of the corporate world that knows what the bottom line means to running a healthy business. But um, I, while there's while we're, Democrats didn't see a conspiracy over the similar and identical cutbacks, that occurred in 2012 on Barack Obama's watch they have here, that ought to give you some alarm, right? There's something going on here. I'm going to give you another piece. This is something that we have exclusively. We're going to break tonight. One of the things that have been going on at the Postal Service that shows how financially sick it is, mail delivery's been down. People aren't using the post office as much in the digital era. Um, um, employees have gone up at the Postal Service. So less business, more expensive employees, but here's the killer, the kicker. The size of uh, overtime, some deemed unnecessary overtime, uh, has gone up by billions of dollars a year. Not millions, not tens of millions, not hundreds of millions, billions of dollars a year. Anywhere from two to five billion in excessive overtime beyond what they budgeted and beyond what the inspector general of the Postal Service says is warranted. And so another red flag, as, as the President Trump is trying to do, and his postmaster, Louis DeJoy, is trying to get a grip on, the, on an agency that keeps spending more than it takes in, is always crying for a bailout. Democrats want to give it another $25 billion bailout this year. The Postal Service has been running up an overtime racket. Why would you need more overtime now than you did years ago when you have more employees than you did and less business? People are ringing up their paychecks on the overtime bill and the Inspector General of the Postal Service, the chief auditor, the chief investigator, the inside watchdog is blowing the whistle on the post office. There is an overtime racket at the Postal Service. And if we really want to fix the Postal Service so that this iconic, important, essential public service in America runs for many years to come and our children and our grandchildren know about it, we got to have fiscal discipline. We can't have overtime that's billions of dollars over budget. We can't have an expense base that's billions of dollars over what the Postal Service brings in. There have been many efforts, some good ideas by Democrats, some by Republicans, to reform the Postal Service. But the biggest problem is it has a fundamental employment base and a fundamental cost structure that continues to exceed its incoming revenues. No business can survive that way, whether you're Bain Capital and Mitt Romney or... or um, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos at Amazon, you don't run businesses with a negative deficit year after year after year because they're not sustainable. You might run a deficit short term because you're building a, uh, something that's going to be profitable, but break even or unpro uh, unprofitable companies, uh, an unprofitable postal service is not what the American people need or want. And we still want our postal service. I know that. I'm not arguing that. But 
this overtime racket that we're going to expose tonight, that the Inspector General of the Postal Service has um, uh, identified and made public, it runs in the face of the very arguments that Democrats made. Let's sow them another $25 billion. That's the Democratic argument. Uh, we already have debunked the idea that these cutbacks were about uh, mail-in ballots. They were about fiscal um, solvency. But now we got to ask ourselves, how can a mail service with more employees, fewer mail being delivered, need so much overtime? Something is amiss there. That's what the inspector general said. The inspector general very strongly informs the Postal Service, you need to get a grip on this. you got to clamp down on this. You've got to stop unnecessary overtime. It's not an entitlement program. Overtime is supposed to be for emergencies. That is the message that the Inspector General of the Postal Service is delivering this week. We're going to explore that in greater detail, but I bring it up because it's very important for Americans today to understand a lot of what we're debating is not facts, it's illusions, it's political dirty tricks, it's political uh, mirages uh, being made to look like a crisis or a fake crisis. Oftentimes there is a crisis. There is a crisis in the Postal Service. It's losing more money than it brings in. But the reasons that were the media and the uh, Democrats and sometimes Republicans do this too, don't want to let them off the hook, that uh, sometimes they create a mirage. So you look over here and you try to see a fake reason for the crisis when in fact it just distracts from the real need. The Postal Service needs to cut its structure, cost structure down or bring its revenues up and become break-even because the American public doesn't need to subsidize a Postal Service. 50 cent stamp should be enough. Uh, and if the Postal Service isn't delivering as many packages, let's cut back. If the uh, Postal Service doesn't need overtime, let's cut back. Uh, if the Postal Service needs more revenue, come up with new products. Hey, Jeff Amazon, uh, Jeff Bezos figured out Amazon, right? Somebody figured out Uber. There's a way to disrupt this, but what we need is unconventional thinking and fiscal discipline, something that the Postal Service has tried sometimes, including under Barack Obama. And who objected? The Democrats in Congress, the same ones that are throwing a spaghetti in the wall right now with these false allegations that the cutbacks had something to do with delaying uh, mail, uh, ballots, mail-in ballots, not not there. The facts are not there. And now we got the inspector general, nonpartisan, independent, in, independent watchdog inside the agency saying, we got an overtime racket here. Let's get on top of that. That's what the American people want. They want their businesses run right. They want their government run right. And uh, for some reason, we're having a lot of smoke and mirror debates and we're not looking at the facts. Adjust the news. We're the first news organization that's going to bring you these audits and bring them to light and tell you their relevance as we go forward. All right, we're done with that. We're going to go to another commercial break. When we come back, Pam Bondi, the former Attorney General of Florida, primetime speaker this week at the Republican Convention, uh, key defense lawyer during the president's impeachment trial, major supporter and key player in the Trump campaign, one of the big surrogates you see on TV and out in the open uh, she's joining us to talk about all things election, a little bit of Joe Biden corruption, things she learned about Joe Biden, and what we can do to address the distrust and the mounting tensions between our men and women in blue and the communities that they keep safe. That's coming up next right after this commercial break. Temp check. 
What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, I have a very special guest, somebody who was a primetime speaker at the Trump convention this week, someone who ran the Florida Attorney General's office very successfully, and uh, someone that's very important to President uh, Trump, even worked on his impeachment team. Pam Bondi, the former Attorney General of Florida, welcome to John Solomon Reports. Thank you, John. I'm so happy to be with you this morning. Well, we're honored to have you as well. So we have uh, a lot going on. But first off, I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit. What's it been like? I mean, you had a primetime slot Tuesday night uh, for your speech, uh, which got rave reviews. Uh, What's it been like at this convention? I know it's not your traditional convention with COVID, but what's the energy? What's the the, uh, feeling inside the Republican Party three days into this event? The energy is off the charts. And, you know, people from all over the country are calling, texting, all of us who know that we're all here saying they've never seen anything like it. I mean, it's truly like a Hollywood production. No one's getting bored. You're hearing quick five-minute speeches from real people around the country as to how Donald Trump has helped them change their lives. We're hearing from many African-Americans, many women, um, all walks of life of people saying, telling real-life stories, not a bunch of fluff, Thanks that the ways their lives have been changed, thanks to the president of the United States. And, you know, just being in that Mellon Center and, and getting to speak Tuesday night, um, it was really a, a remarkable event. And then, I mean, I just every speaker is, is better than the one before. And if you heard <laughs> last night, it, it was just it was just unreal last yeah. night. And, you know, and, and John, also to get to hear from the president's kids. What about Eric Trump? I mean, you know, when Eric talked about his love for his father and dad, it was very personal, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's 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 what it's all about. The American people finally getting to hear the sincerity, the love for this man, um, every great thing that he has done for our country. Um, It's it's really it's been it's been it's been remarkable. It it, uh, it has. And, you know, I've, I've covered uh, every convention going back to 84. And what's really striking about this one, this is the closest one I can remember to the days when Lee Atwater uh, used to talk about the Republican Party needing a big tent. Now, there's plenty of room for people of different ideas, different race, different uh, uh political backgrounds, regions, and uh, this has been a big tent convention. I mean, the diversity of the speakers, the diversity of experience, you know, whether it's a, a young African-American attorney general from Kentucky who I thought had a really remarkable night to, uh, you know, football players and and uh, people of all different political stripes and, and success, uh, an openly gay ambassador. It's just been a remarkable, mm-hmm. eclectic group. What message do you think that sends to the um, to the voting public as we head into the fall? Election and they have to choose between Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump. 
There's no comparison. We are the all-inclusive party, the Republican Party. We always have been. We were the party of Abe Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. We are the all-inclusive party. You know, two of the people you mentioned are two of my dear friends, Daniel Cameron. Oh, he was um, really something. He is the real deal, you know, and that I, I know, Daniel, I was there with him right before he went on stage to deliver that speech live, by the way. And um, he means every word he says. He is a he's just he's such a wonderful guy and such a wonderful role model for all attorneys general, all lawyers, all African-Americans, all human beings in this country. And then you also talked about Rick Grinnell. Rick, um, Rick is one of my dear, dear friends. And he is, thank goodness we had him for a very short time um, in, in the White House. You know, yeah. he got to see the deep state in action. And, and what and, he did in just a few short weeks to rewire ODNI to get rid of the duplication and the unnecessary mm -hmm. bureaucracy and also to give the American public transparency. And he did more in six weeks than many people do in two or three years of a, of a bureaucratic career. It was really remarkable. John, he did. And, you know, when, when you talk about he talked about declassifying documents, the, the, the Democrats would come in and anything they didn't want us, meaning the Republicans and the Trump administration to see, they just said, let's clap. It. Yeah. And that's what they did. And Rick came in and fixed that. He undid that. And, and, and he served this country so well, not only as ambassador, but, but then within the White House. And one other person we didn't talk about. And, you know, if any of you, if any of your listeners missed him, Max Alvarez. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Wasn't that I think that left me numb. I mean, that was uh, just uh, such from the heart. Yeah. And John, I know Max. I know Max well. Um, he's Miami. He came over here with nuns, rescued him in the middle of the night with Mel Martinez. He's, he's the true Peter Pan child. Right. He came over here <laughs> in an orphanage. Right. With absolutely nothing. Grew up here. America's the American dream for Max. You know, now he has one of the largest oil companies and he knows what it's like to live in a world of communism, socialism. And that's what would happen if President Trump is not reelected, he will be reelected. But, you know, Max, I've heard Max talk about this for, for years, years since I've known Max. And he cries every time he talks about this story because it's so personal and so real to him. Yeah, that came What through. a great country we have and what a socialist left wing agenda would do to destroy our country our jobs, and all the great people that live in our beautiful country. In the last um, 60 days, there have been two moments where I thought people just spoke so eloquently to a generation of millennials who uh, seem to be a majority of them seem to think socialism and big government would be okay. The first was Condi Rice when she said, the only time socialism has ever succeeded has been at gunpoint. And that was a great reminder that it's always been yes. forced on the uh, populaces. It was never chosen by the populaces. And then uh, Max's speech and, and just the passion and and the love he has for America because he knows what a socialist government regime does to its people. Uh, two, two of the most extraordinary moments in the last 60 days that I saw. Um, really, really great. Um, you've talked a lot about um, the flaws that the Biden family, Joe Biden himself has, um, uh, the policy record. I mean, that's been on display. I think Mike Pence uh, took 
took Joe Biden to the woodshed last night with his sort of assessment of Biden's policies. But what do you think are the most important things that Americans need to know about Joe Biden? When you go out in the trail from here on, what are you going to be talking about in terms of his record, his family, the enrichment schemes? What's most important for the American people to know going into the final 60 days of this election? Well, Joe Biden as vice president during his entire career has been about Joe Biden and Joe Biden's family. They all got rich off his vice presidency. There is no denying that. We all know that. We could talk about Hunter Biden all day long, completely he had no qualifications, yet he goes on a corrupt board and makes millions. Then he does a deal in China saying he only went there as a family member. And 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 this guy who has a, you know, I, I've, I've been careful not to talk about his past. He's, he's got a very checkered past. We all know that. Um, we don't even need to get into the details of it. But he goes on this corrupt board with a corrupt oligarch, um, Zolchevsky, who ran this board with making more money than titans of industry would make on the board of Goldman Sachs. And, and he just continued that in China, um, you know, Joe's brothers doing business in, in Iraq and all, all over the place. So that, that's one thing. But, but on, on a broader picture, the, the Biden-Harris ticket, they have made it crystal clear they are going to raise taxes dramatically. You know, they say they want Medicare for all, um, free health care. That, that's, we know that's not sustainable. And, and uh, what about the speech last night about the woman who talked about uh, Kaylee? Pre-existing right. conditions. Kaylee McEnany, pre-existing conditions. I think Kaylee's speech was extremely powerful. The president is in this to protect all of us, make sure we all receive health care without bankrupting the country, but making sure pre-existing conditions are protected, which the Democrats are saying we don't want. And, you know, something else, being a career prosecutor, they want to defund the police. Yeah, Any way you one. look at it. And, and the vice president's speech last night, I, I, th I think it's the best speech I've, I've ever heard. Um, vice President Pence's speech last night, what was truly um, amazing and everything he said about that and, and what a Biden-Harris presidency. Yeah, that line, you won't be safe in a Joe Biden America. Uh, a lot won't. of people talking about that today. And uh, that, that clearly was one of the money lines from, from his speech last night. No, no doubt about it. it, it you won't. We won't be safe. We won't be safe. And, you know, one thing he said, he said this entire week, Joe Biden has not said one word to condemn the riots, the crimes, the looting, the, the setting things on fire, everything that's happening all over this country. The man that wants to be your president hasn't said one word to condemn these horrible crimes happening throughout our country. It's um, you can hear now I hear from Democrats and uh, my Democratic sources. They're very worried that Joe Biden has not been present enough, that he's too much in the shadows and down in the basement and not out in the public. And they see the president gaining ground every day in the polls, gaining confidence, gaining over 50 percent approval rating in multiple polls now. Um, has Joe Biden made a mistake by not uh, not uh, coming out and being more visible? And what has Donald Trump done? I mean, it seems like every day you wake up, Donald Trump has an action. He's at FEMA in a little bit. And so he's in charge of the hurricanes. You know, he's got an announcement here, announcement there. He, he's acting every day. Right. I mean, that's one of the things that is so visible to the uh, to the American public right now. 
acting every day from morning to night. And, you know, and he, he, of course, made a surprise appearance last night at midnight, and he was up going early this morning. <laughs> that he yeah. was. He, but that's, that's every day for President Trump. And, yeah, I think it's a horrible strategic error on the Biden campaign. But by, you know, we say keeping him in his basement, but they really are. They're keeping him in his basement. He's staying in his basement. You know why? Because he does not have a plan for America. And he, nothing. All they do is come out and attack Donald Trump. And that's why we have to defend him. President Trump has a clear and concise plan for this future, for our future. And I think we're going to hear it tonight. I can't wait to hear the president's speech tonight, accepting the nomination. It's going to be a huge moment. And I think the contrast is going to be clearer than ever about what Donald Trump has done for this country and what he will continue to do to make this country the greatest country it is in the entire world. Well, we're, we're all going to be watching very closely tonight. It isn't a very important night, and I think that the Americans, uh, a large swath of America will be tuned in as well. Last question for you, because I know you got to hit the campaign trail and you've got a busy schedule, but um, you've been Florida's chief and law enforcement officer, a, a career prosecutor. As you look out now over the challenges that police and their communities having, I mean, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of violence that's just faux violence right now, but there's also real violence in cities that have taken grip in Chicago for much longer than this last Last few months, what are some of the steps that you recommend that that police departments and political and policy leaders can take to ease the tensions between police departments and their communities without jeopardizing the security or letting mayhem and anarchy rule? Well, you know, they have to work together. And I think the problem you have in in most of these cities are these extremely liberal mayors. And in some of them, we're seeing the mayors aren't even backing up their own police chiefs. Yeah, and, very clearly. And, 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 and I, you know, I've been in law enforcement again, yeah, the majority of my entire career and never seen anything like this. And President Trump backs our men and women in blue. He backs our military. He backs our first responders. And he will make sure they're safe. You know, the scenes we were seeing were horrific of police officers standing there with bottles being thrown at their yeah, heads. It's unthinkable. Yet, yet they were ordered not to protect themselves. Those aren't, we love peaceful protests. That's, 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 that's part of our constitution. That's part of our our founding father's vision for our country. This isn't peaceful. When you're throwing things at police officers, when you're throwing um, balloons with gas-filled balloons into buildings where you know U.S. Marshals are and they've thrown fireworks in there, trying to light them on fire, that's attempted murder. Yeah, there's no doubt. And Donald Trump is law enforcement. He is pro-law enforcement. He always has been, and he always will yeah, and be. You've seen some big endorsements from police unions that in, the, in the past have sat on the sidelines, an NYPD police union being just a big one a couple of weeks ago coming out for Donald Trump. That's right, John. And, and yeah, there, there, there's, a, there's a reason for that, right? All of the sheriffs who are endorsing him, the National Organization of Police throughout the country, NYPD, because Donald Trump is going to keep America safe. And when you look at what's done, there's been over 500 federal arrests of people that were involved in these very violent acts against law enforcement. Do you think at some point the Justice Department, you used to build these cases, does the Justice Department build a conspiracy case and not only charge the people that threw the bottles and the bricks and the mortars and other things, but the people that are funding and orchestrating and creating the logistical support? Should there be a RICO or conspiracy case against the organizers of all of these protesters? 
Yeah, and I'm not going to get ahead of Bill Barr in the Justice Department. I was a state prosecutor. That's true. But, but, but we charged as many people as we could who organized anything to hurt police officers, to physically hurt our great men and women in blue. They're not out there to arrest people. They're out there to keep people safe right. every day. Victims of crimes. You know, on, on Twitter, on my at Pam Bondi account, I started posting pictures of of police officers in the middle of the night who were first to a scene to save choking babies who were right. dying, babies who couldn't breathe. And they're saying, let's replace them with social workers. Social workers aren't going to be cruising around these neighborhoods in the middle of the night. It's your police who get there. They got there before EMS could even get there. It's these police officers who are out there saving lives every day, making it safe so we can go to school, so we can go to work, so we can go to church. So people can take their kids to parks and live safely in our beautiful country. Well, that is uh, something that we, we remembered so poignantly on 9-11 when we saw all those men and women run into the towers that day and, and sacrifice their life to save others. And now less than 20 years later, we have all of this uh, unfair and un, you know, uh, hatred that, that isn't based in fact. It's based on some illusion that, that people have, have created of, of hatred. Yeah. But uh, yeah. there's a moment, I, and I think the American people have this moment in the fall that where they can weigh in on this issue in a big way. The ballot box will be their ultimate statement about what they think about this violence. Pam, I can't thank you enough for all you've done. You've been a great friend. Uh, you're an amazing public speaker and advocate for the president. And uh, we hope to have you on soon again on the show. I would love to, John. God bless you and have a great day. Thank, thank you. you. All right, folks, we'll be right back to wrap things up. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, that wraps up another show. I hope you enjoyed Pam Bondi. Uh, always insightful, always on the cutting edge of what's going on inside the Trump campaign, in the Joe Biden world, in the convention where she was a primetime speaker. And of course, because of her many years in, as a law and order prosecutor in Florida, uh, including as attorney general, she brings a lot on the issue of law enforcement, security, law and order, and tensions, you know, legitimate tensions between the men and women of blue who protect our public and the public they protect and they serve. Uh, obviously, there are broken relations that need to be fixed. They're being antagonized by outsiders, um, uh, anarchists uh, uh, who don't have a, a, a reason, a legal reason to be destroying and burning our cities down. I agree with what Joe Biden said the other day. Burning down a city is not a legitimate form of protest. I'm glad he said it. it took him a long time, but he did. Hey, we're, we all have to agree on that. That's a nonpartisan issue. You don't punish shopkeepers and, and cab workers and journalists protecting it because you're angry or because you're trying to affect political change. That's called criminality. That's not called protest. 
Martin Luther King would never stand for what's going on in the streets today. He would stand for peaceful protests. He would stand for a fervent debate about what um, uh, needs to go on between police to save lives, to prevent unnecessary shootings. But this is a two-way debate. There's also an attitude, a, a lack of respect, a lack of willingness to comply with police orders that also leads to these tensions. We Both sides have important issues to work out. And instead of focusing on that, we've been focusing on Molotov cocktails and, and frozen bottles striking our officers in the head. It's unnecessary. It's immoral. It's illegal. Even Joe Biden is speaking up a little bit, not much, but a little bit, not like President Trump, who almost daily decries this violence. Uh, but we have mayors, we have police chiefs, we have members of Congress who need to get a backbone, stand up and tell the American public, this isn't right, let's stop it, and then let's solve the real problems. That's the opportunity that awaits us. Let's see what President Trump says tonight about it. He'll be on the podium about 10.30 to do his acceptance speech for his renomination at the Republican convention exactly one week to the day that Joe Biden gave his speech. I think it'll be a very different speech tonight, uh, different issues, a different appeal to the American public about why each of these two men should or shouldn't be in office. A very big night. We're going to come back tomorrow, wrap that up. In the meantime, uh, check out the breaking news at Just the News. We're very grateful of your support, of your readership, of your listenership, of your viewership of our videos. And in a few short weeks, we're going to have a big announcement about a television play for this great brand, Just the News. That's a big tease, I know. We'll come back after Labor Day and really tell you about it. Until then, be safe, be healthy. Watch the convention tonight. Check out Just the News. And we'll be back with another edition soon of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Just the News.